Welcome back to Friendly Physics. I'm a high school teacher based in San Antonio, Texas. With school starting this week in the midst of a pandemic, podcasts were the last thing on my mind as we navigated mask mandates in filled classrooms. But we're back, and if you need a recap on our physics the past few weeks, give the episode What Goes Up Must Come Down a listen. That's where we left off. I promised an exciting episode that would take us into a whole new dimension. So let's start talking projectile motion, the movement of objects that break beyond just one dimension and instead travel both horizontally and vertically. We are going to discuss objects that move down and sideways today. It is the easiest way to begin talking about projectiles. Imagine a cannon on the top of a cliff shooting a cannonball out. The ball travels horizontally out of the cannon, but eventually starts to fall down. Why? Gravity. Projectile motion shows that even when an object moves horizontally through the air, it is still subject to gravity pulling it down. Think of a paper airplane tossed out into the air, or a pitcher throwing towards home plate. While we talk today, it's important to imagine objects that are moving in a straight line horizontally and then falling. Don't toss the paper airplane up and then watch it come down. Just throw the plane parallel to the ground. The cannonball is shot out of a completely horizontal cannon, not up at an angle. We will get there and incorporate angles, but for today, we are talking a horizontal launch. Objects that move sideways and down. When an object moves in two dimensions, it is important to sort the information that we have, know, and need in terms of each dimension. Horizontal positions, velocities, and accelerations go with only horizontal values. And all the vertical, positions, velocities, and accelerations stay with each other as well. When we first introduced vertical motion, I stressed the importance of thinking about horizontal values with an X and vertical values with a Y. For example, initial horizontal position is X naught. Final vertical position is Y sub F. But it's not just position. Initial horizontal velocity is v naught x. Initial vertical velocity is v naught y. Imagine a cannon at the top of a 32 meter high cliff. The cannon's initial vertical position, y naught, is 32 meters. The cannon's initial horizontal position is easiest to just set to zero meters. If you say that the initial horizontal position is zero, then it's easy to keep track of where the object ends up horizontally. You already know where the object will end up vertically. The cannonball is going to hit the ground, so y sub f is zero meters. The cannonball is shot out of the cannon with an initial 
horizontal velocity of 40 meters per second. I want you to imagine this image. The cannon at the top of a 32 meter cliff and the cannonball firing out of the horizontal cannon going forward and falling until it hits the ground. There are two things you need to know about this situation. How long does it take the ball to hit the ground? And how far does the cannonball go? Let's first think about how long it will take the cannonball to hit the ground. First, I want you to consider what I am asking. I need the time that it takes for the cannonball to change its position from 32 meters to zero meters. I need the time that it takes for the cannonball to fall to the ground. I need to know something about the object's vertical motion. I'm going to use my second kinematic formula, the one that says y sub f equals y naught plus v naught t plus one half a t squared. I'm using y because we are talking vertical motion. We are talking vertical motion and I need time. I have the object's initial vertical position. Y naught equals 32. I know that Y sub F equals zero. I know that A equals negative 9.8 due to gravity. And I need T. So what am I missing? What am I going to use for V naught, initial velocity? In this case, we are talking initial vertical velocity, V naught Y. The cannonball is shot out horizontally with an initial velocity of 40 meters per second. Does that mean that V naught Y is 40? No, we must keep horizontal values together and vertical values together. 40 meters per second is the horizontal velocity, and so it cannot go with the vertical values that we are using. Keep in mind that velocity is a vector, so direction matters. The initial vertical velocity of the object is zero meters per second. The cannonball is falling, and we know that the initial vertical velocity is zero meters per second. If the object was launched at an angle, this would change. But in this case, it is launched straight on. All of its velocity is in the horizontal dimension to start. So let's use V naught equals zero in our formula. We are solving for T and eventually end up with time equals the square root of negative 32 divided by negative 9.8 times 2, which ends up being about 2.55 seconds. The cannonball takes 2.55 seconds to hit the ground. Okay. I'd like to point out two things about this. 
The first thing is that the object's horizontal velocity, that 40 meters per second, does not impact how long it takes the ball to fall. That is an aspect of the object's horizontal motion. Falling is all about vertical motion, and so we do not care how fast the ball moves horizontally. If the ball had been launched with an initial horizontal velocity of 80 meters per second, it would still take 2.55 seconds to hit the ground, even if it had been launched with 120 meters per second of initial horizontal velocity. The cannonball is falling because of gravity, and gravity only acts in the vertical dimension. This brings me to my second point. Earlier, I stated that we split our values into horizontal and vertical. The cannon's initial vertical position, why not, is 32 meters. The cannon's initial horizontal position, x naught, is 0 meters. The initial horizontal velocity is 40 meters per second, and such. However, time exists along all dimensions, so we can use it to tell us how long it takes the ball to fall, and hit the ground, but also how far the ball goes. So let's figure out that last part. How far does the cannonball go if it is launched off a 32 meter cliff with an initial horizontal velocity of 40 meters per second? The only constraint on how far the ball travels is how quickly it hits the ground. If we shot the ball off of a 10 meter cliff, it wouldn't take as long to fall, so it wouldn't be able to travel as far. If we shot it from a 50 meter cliff, the cannonball would take longer to fall, so it would be able to travel further from the cliff. It is kind of like cliff jumping. If you jump off a cliff and need to clear rocks that are a few meters away from the cliff, you'll be safer and have more time to clear the rocks if you are jumping from a higher cliff. Anyways, we need to know how far the cannonball is shot. We are talking about finding the ball's final horizontal position. So let's use that formula. x of f equals x naught plus v naught t plus one half a t squared. We need x of f. We have v naught v naught x equals 40. We have t. We want to know how far the ball travels in 2.55 seconds. We know x naught. We decided to set it to zero. And we actually know a as well. It is not negative 9.8. a equals negative 9.8 because of gravity. And gravity only acts in the vertical dimension. Here, there is nothing accelerating the ball horizontally, and so our acceleration is zero. This leaves us with something that really looks like x sub f equals 40 times 2.55. The cannonball travels a horizontal distance of 102 meters. So imagine the cannonball being shot off of the top of a cliff and hitting the ground 
102 meters away. And all of this takes 2.55 seconds. Not so bad. The key is always to remember to separate horizontal and vertical components. This will be even more important in the next episode when we add in launch angles. The real key here is to notice how gravity impacts objects. I promised an explanation about baseball pitchers' inability to pitch in a straight line, and the reason is gravity. By splitting horizontal and vertical components, we see that an object's horizontal movement is not truly constrained by gravity, but instead by time. When a baseball pitcher throws the ball, as soon as it leaves their hand, the ball is in free fall. Nothing is accelerating the ball horizontally, and it is left to gravity to pull the ball down. The ball is in a race to get to where it needs to go before it hits the ground. When we start adding force into the equation, this will be even more obvious. However, if the only acceleration the ball is feeling is from gravity pulling it down, there is no way that that ball can travel in a straight line. It must drop on its way to home plate.